right. We are really blessed this morning to have Rodney Britt with us. Many of you may remember him as the deep bass voice of some of your favorite a cappella songs. If you don't remember that, you might remember him as the youth minister here at the Northwest Church of Christ. If you don't remember that, well, I really don't need to introduce him to you, but he is a man after God's own heart who has been living on mission with God for many years of his life. That's why he comes to speak to us this morning as we continue to march towards our giving in our yearly missions budget. So, Ronnie, stand up here with me and I'll say a quick prayer over you. We'll let you begin. Father, we are thankful for the man that Rodney is because of who you've made him to be. And we pray that your spirit would be upon him this morning, that the thoughts that he's prepared would be your words, and that you'd give him the things to say that would open our hearts to your mission even more than they are today. Praise in your son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. morning family. I kind of feel bad now that uh, my brother prayed about thoughts that I prepared. <laughs> I just got back from Africa on Thursday and um, crawled into bed about one or two o'clock in the morning. Uh, they were six hours ahead of us there and um, so the readjustment period is, is ongoing. Uh, to say the least. Now they're only five hours ahead of us since we sprang forward. When, when uh, Kent asked me, um, I, I know it was last minute, somebody canceled, you know, and so called the B-string, and so um, whoever it was that canceled, I'm sorry that you're not hearing them this morning, but um, I said, man, I'm getting ready. I think it was like the day or two before I was getting ready to leave for Togo, and he said, um, we had a cancellation. Can you come and and speak, and I said, man, I'll just be back in the country for a couple of days. I don't know. Let me, let me talk to Paula, and we, we chatted, and, and there were two things that we definitely knew, that we definitely knew. We wanted to see our family here. We wanted to be with you, and secondly, we wanted to eat at Ted's Cafe Escondido. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the the pool was very strong <laughs> to come. And so we've already accomplished the first thing. That was yesterday. Uh, the car, it was just like on autopilot. We just... And um, so, yeah, it was... Uh, I, I knew it was going to be a quick turnaround when I, when I told him I would do it. And then I didn't realize that it was daylight savings time weekend. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So anyway, I'm, I'm kind of on impulse power this morning, and um, what a blessing to be with you. I'm, I'm going to show you a few pictures uh, here in a few moments, show you a little brief uh, clip of what we're doing in Togo. I know that this is not really meant to just be a, um, a presentation about what I'm doing in Ghana and Togo, but uh, I'm so excited, guys. I'm so excited about what God is doing. I went downstairs this morning. Uh, to drink some coffee while the girls were getting ready, and I had already uh, gotten ready. I went downstairs and got a little breakfast, and I had no sooner sat down, um, about five minutes, and my, my brother in the gospel, 
back in, in Texas, he started texting me this. And um, so it's five hours difference now. So at seven in the morning, it was noon over in Togo. The last place, let, let, me, let me just share with you. I just, I just got back from Togo. Four men um, were there uh, from the States. We're, we're, we're working with our Ghanaian and, and Togolese brethren. In two weeks' time, we baptized into Christ 532 people. Oh. Amen, yeah, yeah. And um, it almost gets embarrassing when we come back and, and, and share these kind of numbers because people are like, well, all you're doing is dunking people. You're just going over there and baptizing people and coming home and leaving them. Um, that, that sort of ticks me off when people say that. Um, the last day we were there, we baptized 353 people in one area, an area where last September we baptized 233 people in one day. So this God has really seemed to open up this, you know, when you're fishing and you find a hot spot, you find a honey hole, um, you just keep fishing that baby, you know, keep fishing it until they stop biting. Well, they, they just keep biting right now. So this morning, um, the beautiful thing about what has happened is that our Ghanaian brethren who have been Christians for the last 20 or 25 years, they have become missionaries to Togo. They are leading us into Togo. Uh, they're the ones uh, that we're just kind of coming alongside of them in their work. Anyway, I, I want to I share this with you. Uh, John Morkley is, is the preacher there, uh, kind of spearheading what we're doing in Togo. He was kind of giving a report about all the places we, we were last Sunday, um, uh, preaching the gospel, actually this past Monday. And he said, um, the first place we went where we had 75 baptisms last week, 170 adults gathered to worship with 121 children. They baptized 40 more this morning. The second place that we baptized 81 on Monday, there are 30 more people that are ready for baptism this morning. Where I was, I, I preached in a couple of different villages. We baptized 43 in the last one. They've added another 19 there this morning. Um, all told, about 108 more people baptized into Christ um, this morning there in Garankuka, um, Garankuka, Togo. So our Ghanaian brethren have teamed up with some uh, Togolese brothers in Christ, and three to four days a week they go back into Togo strengthening, teaching. Uh, some of the wives have gone with their husbands and, and had seminars on how to how to bake the Lord's Supper bread, how to have church, what communion looks like. We're, we're teaching them, we're training them, um, and it happens on a daily basis. Um, one of our preachers in Ghana basically just lost his job. He, he, uh, he preached at the biggest church in Joje. Um, they have over 1,000 members. They've broken up into different areas around the city, and, um, and each one of those churches is growing. He spends so much time in Togo now that his elders said, uh, we're sacking you. Um, we need a preacher that's here all the time. Well, he, he's got a little Christian school that uh, sort of supports him, and so he said, that's fine. He said, um, I've got to keep doing the work in Togo. And so um, 
just keep us in prayers. I want to show you a video. Uh, Mark, do you have the video? This is um, where I was telling you about in Garankuka. And I always hear the, the, the song from Heart, Barracuda. You know, you know the song? Barracuda. Well, that's Garankuka. And I'm in the process of rewriting the lyrics. Um, Yancey Landrum would have really appreciated this. Um, this is like a new Pentecost. We had, we baptized 353 people this day. We got three guys baptizing simultaneously in the OT River. This is the river that borders, um, separates Ghana from Togo. You're looking into Ghana from this side. This side over here is Togo. You see people washing clothes and a fishing boat go by and we just, we pull up with van loads of people. I think there were 120, 150 people there at one time. People just kind of looking at us like, you know, what's, what are y'all doing? I got to tell you this, one of our drivers was a young Muslim man who was converted a couple of months ago. Um, John Morkley, the preacher I was telling you about, he, he uh, had this guy as a driver and uh, he worked with him for a few days, and he preached the gospel to him and converted him. And now he is on fire for God. The first Sunday I was there a couple of weeks ago, I preached, and 10, 10 people wanted to obey the gospel. Man, it, I knew it was a good sermon, but I, I had no way of knowing it was that good, you know. Come to find out, there's a little old lady there who is like the best evangelist on the planet. And those 10 people were there because she had been working on them, had been teaching them, and uh, it, was, it was low-hanging fruit by the time I got there, you know? It was low. They were going to be baptized regardless of, of how good or bad my sermon was. Um, but Sister um, Anastas, I think was her name, Anastas, um, the great evangelist there. Um, but, but what I'm going to tell you is our driver, his name is Abbas, while they were at the river being baptized, I was staying behind studying with more people. And so while they were at the river being baptized, there were three men there watching, and our driver, a boss, goes over and starts talking to them. And since he's a relatively new Christian, he wasn't quite sure of all the ins and outs, so he asked one of the guys to come and help him, and they baptized those three men. Uh, when they came back, I said, how many, how many made it into the water? And they said, 13. I said, I only sent 10 people with you. And they said, yeah, but a boss got three more at the riverside. <laughs> God's, God's spirit is working mightily in Togo. And I want to tell you this, God is still in the business of saving souls. G Jesus is still in the business of changing eternal addresses. But how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear unless someone preaches to them? 
How can someone preach unless they are sent? That sounds like Bible, doesn't it? Sounds kind of like Romans chapter 10, doesn't it? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Wasn't that originally found in Isaiah? How, be- how lovely on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news. You see, the people were looking for a king. They were looking for a new David. They never realized he was going to be a suffering servant, giving sight to the blind, healing the lame, raising the dead. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. If you will turn your Bible to Acts chapter 17, Charles read this for us just a moment ago. My lesson is very, very simple this morning. And maybe simple will mean short, I don't know. Paul is is talking to some folks here in Athens. I was very uh, privileged to to go to Greece with our our brother Bill. Man, that was almost 20 years ago now, Bill. Can you imagine? I think it was like 01 or 02. I think maybe it was 02 when we went. He took me and... um, Wow, once you crest the top of the hill, you just pick up a lot of speed, don't you? 20 years ago. But we went to, um, to talk to his good friend, Bobbas, and um, they showed me around. Bobbas is something of an archaeologist in his own right. And we walked this very street. Am I right, Bill? Where, where Paul is, is seeing all of these idols uh, that, that, that they're worshiping, and they've got a an idol to this God, and this God, and this God, and even an idol to an unknown God. And Paul says, I'm going to tell you about that one. I'm going to tell you about that one that you don't know anything about. And then he says this, our reading this morning, the word of the Lord. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he does not live in temples built by hands. One of the things that I'm really trying to impress upon our brothers in Togo, our new brothers and sisters, is that when you come into the body of Christ, when, when you're baptized into Christ, first of all, this is, this is not just a one-time thing you're doing. This is, a, this is a commitment that you're making. From now on, for the rest of your life, you're saying, I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to go where he went. I want to do what he did. I want to say what he said. I want to ha- love like he loved. I want to be like him. I want to follow him. And I said, He's making you a part of an invisible kingdom. God doesn't dwell in this place here this morning because this is what we call the church of Christ. He's only here because his people are here. He dwells in our lives, in our hearts, and in our minds. The kingdom is the rule and the reign of God in the hearts and the lives of his people. And that happens wherever we are. It's an invisible kingdom. All those All those who have been bought by the blood of the the Lamb are a part of that kingdom, wherever they may be this morning. He doesn't live in temples built by hands. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. What, What could we give to God? What could we bring to him that would be of any worth? Because he himself gives all men life and breath 
and everything else. Just the very breath that we're breathing in and out right now is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. I had a, a friend of mine uh, say, Bill, you may know more about this, but we, we, in the Hebrew, the letters Y-H-W-H, what we know as Yahweh, um, he said he'd always heard that they would not speak the name of God for, for fear of, of, you know, doing it out of irreverence or some way, you know, not showing honor to God. But he said literally those, those letters in the Hebrew the, the Y, the H, the W are, are breath marks. They're, they're breathing marks. Gr the Greek language has this as well, that like a little comma will stand for a breath mark. And so in essence, those letters that we know of as Yahweh, he said they're just, they're just breathing. They're just breath marks. So literally, when we breathe in and out, we're speaking the name of Yahweh. let that settle on you for a moment. Every time we breathe out and breathe in, in essence, we're giving glory to God. Yahweh. And even all of those who aren't believers, <laughs> even all of those who are pagans, those who've never confessed the name of God, when they breathe in and out, they are giving glory to God. We sang how beautiful is the body of Christ, and there was a line in there where I just had to, I just had to stop singing. Um, Yahweh, God, Emmanuel, God with us. Um, I'm getting off topic. Let, let me get back to my text. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. I, I started off sharing my gospel this time uh, often with this text right here. I said, did you know that God has already predetermined? He set the boundaries of, of your land where you will live. Uh, I said, you are not here by accident. You live in Togo. You live in this village because God has ordained that. And I said, it's no, it was no accident that I came to you today. God has already seen this happen. He's already seen this unfold. He knows where men should live. He set the exact places where they should live. Why did God do that? God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. God did this so that men would seek him Reach out for him. You know, I firmly believe that, that people are not, um, most people are not seeking truth. Most people are not on a quest for truth. They're on a quest for happiness. Um, the problem with truth is that when truth hits you in the face, when, when, you're, when you're eye to eye with truth, then something's got to change, Right? You know, I'm going to have to change the way I live. I'm going to have to change the places where I go, the things I do, the language that comes out of my mouth. When I'm really faced with truth, it's decision time. Will I or won't I? When Jesus called his first disciples, he said, come, follow me. 
Moment of truth. Will I follow or will I stay where I am? You see, because when truth hits you in the face, you have to make a decision. You have to decide, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Most people are not on a quest for truth. They're on a quest for happiness. I want what I want when I want it. Whether it's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, what I put in my mouth. Man, when I got to Oklahoma City, my mouth started watering. When I hit the city limits, all of a sudden, those little things on the side started shooting out. I was like, what's going on here? I wanted some Ted's. <laughs> Soft flour tortillas, raking it through that queso, shoving it in my mouth, only to do it one more time. <laughs> A lot of other people love it too. You know, there only used to be one Ted's when I lived here. And now there's, I don't know how many are there, 10, 15, 20? We want what we want. We want to satisfy our flesh. And some of that's not a bad thing. You've got to eat, right? And if you've got to eat, might as well be Ted's. <laughs> but the fact is, is that most human beings are not on a quest for truth. They're on a quest for happiness. You know, one of the things that our, our government, our, the framers of our Constitution that they seem that they tend they want to promise us is you know life liberty and the pursuit of happiness man we've latched on to that last one because that's what we want we don't want truth there was a young muslim man in togo last week he's not muslim anymore he's a follower of christ one of our guys on our team studied with him he'd already been looking he'd already been seeking he, he got a copy of of the New Testament, he began to read and he said, all the stuff that I've been taught all my life, he said, it, it just doesn't resonate with me. There's something wrong with it. And he said, as I've been reading the Bible, he said, I find myself being drawn to what I'm reading. And so our, our brother took him where he was and he shared the gospel with him. He obeyed the gospel. We had a big Bible camp there in Togo. And we had Christians there in the city of Atakpame, we've built a, um, a Bible college there. We opened um, our third Bible college in September. We've now added two more. Our Ghanaian brethren have added two more, which keeps costing us American people money. But the, but the, the goal is to train up preachers, right? And so we, we get all these guys in, members of the church, leaders, to strengthen them, to encourage them, to excite them about what God is doing. This young man showed up. He'd only been baptized about two days prior. He said, I, I told my, my father and my brother that I wanted to attend this Bible camp. And they said, no, you will not. You will not. So he, he left the house, and obviously he came because we were talking to him. And... Um, he said, I'm not really sure what's going to happen to me when I return home. But he said, I don't care. He said, I have found what I've been looking for. I found it. He, he wanted to know truth. He wanted to know truth at any cost. 
And once he found it, just like the man who found this treasure in the field, when he found it, he says, he went back and sold everything he had. Why? So he could buy that field. Why? Because that field contained this treasure. That's the gospel. That's the good news about Jesus. When you're truly seeking it, when you're thirsty for it, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, nothing will satisfy you but truth. Nothing will satisfy you except for Jesus. So let me show you what the model is, what we're trying to do in Togo. Acts chapter 14. Mark, throw up those pictures. I want to show you some pictures here. Show you the pictures of the camp, some of the stuff that we're doing. This is the Fab Four. We look a little different, I think, maybe than the original Fab Four, but um, the guy standing next to me, uh, I'm on the far, far, you're far right. This is my brother in the gospel. His name is Doc Turk. Um, he's from West Texas, and literally, there have been times when I have, I've had to translate his English into English. As God is my witness, I'm telling you the truth. I have had to translate his English into English for our Ghanaian brethren so they could then speak it in Ewe or Twi or something. Um, it's, a, it's a different brand, I'll tell you that right now. But he has got a heart for the gospel. Um, <clears throat> he and his wife have been blessed financially. They, they give almost all of their money away. Uh, it's just it's a beautiful thing. This man right here is uh, one of the elders, Gary Carden, at the Pine Tree Church there in East Texas. And then Chuck Lee, he's the guy that converted the Muslim I was just telling you about, the young Muslim man. He's uh, up in Dangerfield. But that's just the four of us uh, is what God, God took. Go ahead. Um, we had a couple of um, matriculations. Um, if you don't know what that word means, it means you sit and you get bored to, to death uh, for long periods of time. Uh, but this is one of our Bible colleges. Um, there's, there's 12 of them. And they said, um, Rodney, you're speaking. What am I going to say? I, I didn't prepare anything. So I was sitting there, and I, I counted out, and there, there happened to be 12 of them. Ah. I said, guess what Jesus did with 12 men? Um, changed the world. And so I challenged them to do the same. That's one of our Bible colleges. I, I can't believe that this picture got in. This is my new girlfriend. Um, I've talked to my wife. She's okay with it. Um, just a beautiful little girl. She's about four years of age, and um, I baptized her, her mother and her uncle, um, and her little brother in the back. He would have nothing to do with me, but uh, she got, got it's, it's so funny how God just gives you family wherever you are, right? Um, when after the Bible study, I said, I said, come here. And she came over to me and I started loving on her and hugging on her. And then when I she turned her back to me and kind of pushed in and I was kind of giving her some some love. And then when I stopped and was talking to someone else, she, I could feel her pushing, pushing back into me, you know, like, hey, do that again. So I love on her a little bit and then I talk and then she pushed back into me. And I thought, God, you know, God just gives me grandchildren wherever I am. You know, um, speaking of grandchildren, um, someone was asking me earlier, uh, Josh has a little girl who just turned three and a boy that's fixing to be one. And then Logan, my younger son, he and his wife are expecting their first 
in July. So thanks for asking. <laughs> Next. This is uh, where we built the Bible College in Atakpame. This is a brand new pavilion um, that we have, have built for our college students who are going to be able to use it as classrooms and also uh, large gatherings. Um, an, an elderly man in East Texas had an old church building that he owned and had had it for many years. The people, the church that was meeting in it, decided that they were all dying and disbanding. So he gave us the church building, we sold it, and then turned around and used the money to build that. This is a gathering there that we had. I think about four or 500 people uh, showed up. It, they were just beside themselves, amazing. We were speaking in Ewe, we were speaking in French, we were speaking in Cabien, we were speaking in um, Tui, oh, Concomba. So about four or five languages and I was just speaking in English. That's the only one I know. One of our elders, he's, uh, he was teaching. We, we, we get all the non-Christians. How many people have, have not obeyed the gospel? Come over here. So we baptized, I think, 64 people while we were at camp. Um, this is our brother Luke in Alicope. Paula and I um, have built him this house. We didn't physically do it, uh, but we sent some money over there. And now I've got to send him a little more money to, to plaster it. He's... He built that right next to the, um, to the church where he preaches. Um, this is where um, I was telling you about in Garen Kuka. Garen Kuka. Um, we baptized 353 people in one day. 43 came out of that village, another 19 this morning, and they all speak um, Konkumba. And there we are baptizing a couple of them into Christ. Um, this is the bow bow tree. Bow bow. Reminds me of an old song. You can see the fruit hanging down. And after I got through preaching the gospel, I, I found that I just love to experience the culture. Just experience what's happening while I'm there. They take these sticks and they throw the sticks up as high as they can and try to hit the fruit and knock it down. And um, whenever they did it, everybody would just start cheering. Um, but I'm sitting there watching them for... Um, for about an hour while we're baptizing people and we're singing songs and on and on. Um, this, you know, the women carry the babies on the back. And this girl right here is about maybe four years old. And so mama has entrusted her um, to carry her little sister, little sibling. Um, but we'll go back to that one here in a minute. Uh, let me show you the model and then we're done. I'm going to tell you the story of this young woman. <clears throat> Acts chapter 14. This is, this is our desire as we are spreading the gospel in Ghana and Togo. Some of the things that we learned in, in Ghana over the last 20 plus years, um, we're trying not to make some of those same mistakes in Togo. We're trying to get off on, on a different foot. Acts chapter 14. Let's fast forward to verse 21. They preached the good news in that city, and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting, 
committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. I love to read that and, and put in some of the names of the, of the places that where I'm working. Um, they preached the good news in that city. The good news about Jesus Christ is that he died, he was buried, and after three days, what? He rose again. He was resurrected. That's not all of the good news. There's a lot more good news than just that. But that is the core that is the heart of the message that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. I want to remind you of the gospel that I preach to you. This gospel has the power to save you if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, he said, you believed in vain. And he said, this was so important that I'm passing it on to you. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that on the third day he was raised to life. That is the core gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Without that, you don't have anything. Now, there's a whole lot more to it than just that, but that's where you've got to start. Paul says we preach the good news in that, in that city, and, and we want a large number of disciples. Making disciples is what we're all about in the Ghana Togo mission. Making disciples. When Jesus called the, the first disciples, he said, come, follow me. What is a disciple? Somebody that, first of all, follows Jesus. And they listen to Jesus. They become students of Jesus. They become obedient to Jesus. Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and make church attendees. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm so afraid that here in our Western society that that's, that's what most churches have. We have people that show up, enjoy the worship experience, and we go home. And we are not changed. We're not a changed people. We're not true disciples. Because a disciple follows Jesus. He goes where he goes. He lives like he lives. He sleeps. He eats. He, whatever Jesus asks, that, that's what a disciple does. We're trying to make disciples in Ghana and Togo. And I believe that disciple, true disciples, in turn, make disciples. That makes a lot of us uncomfortable. It may make me uncomfortable for a long time. But true disciples, I believe, need to make disciples. And that's what Jesus said. I want you to go into the world and make disciples and baptize them and then teach them. So we're preaching the good news. Notice that they strengthened, they returned to all these places, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. That's what our mission is about. This morning, we've got brothers and sisters, indigenous preachers there that are going back into all of these villages, all of these towns, all of these communities, strengthening, saying, you've made the right choice to follow Jesus. Hang in there. Stay true to it. 
We're not going to leave you alone. We're coming back. We're going to be a part of your lives. The white guys are going to show back up <laughs> in a few more months. We haven't left you. We're not leaving you alone. So we're strengthening them. We must go through hard, many hardships to enter the kingdom. How many of you love to get up in the morning and claim that promise? You know, we love everything about the promises of God. The, you know, eternity with Jesus, where there is no tears, no mourning, no crying. But in order to enter the kingdom, the Bible says we're going to have to go through some hardships. Paul said, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. Sharing in his sufferings. I was kind of with you until that part. I, that's not something that I really wake up in the morning and say, bring, bring on the suffering. But you know, we're, ra we're rarely more like Jesus than when we suffer. He was a man well acquainted with grief and suffering. And so much of what I think of as suffering doesn't really, doesn't really cut the mustard. But anyway, prayer and fasting. But notice this. They went back and they appointed elders. They appointed elders for them in every church. Did you know that that was God's plan, that a, that a body of people would have godly men who would help to shepherd and, and teach uh, and look after that flock? That is something that, that did not happen in Ghana the way that it should have over the last 20-plus years. In Togo, we're trying to get on, out of, off on the right foot now, that when we, when we find people, when we baptize, when we go into this community, we're, we're looking for, for men who are, who are hungry, who are thirsty for God, who that we think might be in a couple of years' time, two to three-year time window, be able to be prepared to be shepherds. Would you pray for us in that regard? That is, you know, that is no small task to try to seek out and to find these guys that would be, would be godly uh, leaders, godly shepherds. Um, I told myself I, I was not going to go long. I just didn't know how long I was going to go, period. Um, because I'm not even sure if this is a dream or not. This feels kind of like a dream to be with you this morning. I want to tell you the story of this young widow lady. She's got to be in her mid-late 20s. Um, I went into this village and um, sat down with her and preached the gospel. I began to ask her about her life. Her dad died when she was very young. Her mom just passed away from an illness a few years ago. She had a brother and a sister. Both of them have died. She married a young Muslim man, and they had two children. And you can tell that this one is very young, not even maybe a year old. And so I, I, I preached the gospel to her. I, I tried to find out some things about her life to kind of know where to start. And then I began to share the good news about Jesus. She accepted the gospel, and I used to always go to the baptisms, but this is the dry season in, in Ghana and Togo. It rains for about eight months out of the year, but December, January, February, March, dry as a bone. The, the Sahara sends all the dust. Uh, it just hangs in the air. And so I let them go baptize while I keep studying with more people. The water, sometimes the water is far, very far. So... She comes back, 
I've already studied with two or three more people. She cleans up and she, she comes before me and she, she begins to sort of bow before me like this. And she's saying, thank you, thank you. And I said, oh, thank God, you know, thank God, praise, praise God. She sat down in a chair and through my interpreter, she said this, she said, no, I've got to thank you. She said, today I have received salvation because you came and told me this news. So I just, I just began to weep. I couldn't even hardly speak. Today I have received salvation because you came. Why would God use a sinful man to do anything, to accomplish anything good for the kingdom? Well, first, that's the only kind he's got to use, right? But why me, chief of sinners? Why, why would God use me? I was so humble. I have, I have so much uh, to be thankful for in my life. I have so many blessings. I just told you. I've got my third grandbaby on the way, right? I'm so blessed. Those of you who know my daughter, she's young, she's beautiful, she's talented. I'm so blessed. You know my wife. Why would she marry me, right? Don't, don't shake your head this. It's <laughs> we, most of us married up, right? I'm so blessed. But I don't know if I've ever had any greater blessing than to sit across from someone and open the, open the word, to talk to, to them about Jesus, and then for them to say, yes, I want that, and to be baptized into Christ. How humbling is that? What greater blessing could you ever have in life than to know that God, somehow you were the conduit for God and his spirit to speak truth into the life of that person? No greater joy. Give, march for missions. In the greatest sermon preached by the greatest preacher ever, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but rather store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know the old saying, you can't take it with you, is so true. But the, the rest of that says, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. And I believe that with every fiber of my being. You're not going to take it with you, but you can send a lot of that on ahead, and you will be building up rewards in heaven. Do, do you believe that? Rewards in heaven? The Bible talks about it so much. Bill, you did a, a series on that about 20 years ago. You remember that? Maybe it wasn't that good, but um, <laughs> otherwise more people would have been saying amen. Maybe you need to teach on that again. Rewards in heaven. I believe it. We can send it on ahead. We can lay up treasures ahead of us. And every baptism that I share with you Every 
church that we helped to establish, we have planted about 30 churches since September in Togo. Our goal is to plant a church in every village, every city, every town in the country of Togo. When you give, when you give to missions, whether it goes to me or whether it goes to the hostelers, whether it goes to local missions, every good thing that happens, I believe God credits that to your account. Do you think that's what happens? You give a dollar, you give a hundred, you give a thousand, and then that money is used to reach people with the gospel. Somehow I think God credits that to your account. And that stuff's waiting for you when you get there. So week after next, three weeks from now, whenever it is that you guys give, (laughs) I believe believe that, well, it's obvious that we're closer to the return of Jesus now than we've ever been, right? I believe, and, and Bill was kind of echoing this in Bible class this morning, we are in a period of time in history that the gospel has the ability to go to every part of the earth because of our travel, because of the internet, because of, of, of radio and blogs and, and you name it. The word is getting out there. God is using things that many of us uh, would struggle with. I believe God is using um, different ways of getting the message out there all across the planet. Muslim countries, places where the gospel is having trouble finding its way, God is getting the message there because there are a few who are seeking truth. And so God is making himself known to the nations. And it could be in my lifetime when Jesus returns because, and this is just my belief, and, and Bill, Bill has echoed the same sentiment, so it, it's got to be right. Once the whole world hears, once everybody has an opportunity, then Jesus is going to return. When the full number of Gentiles has come in, I don't know what that number is. God knows. But I am working my hardest in Togo and Ghana to get as many Gentiles in the kingdom as I can because maybe, just maybe that will hasten the Lord's return. I don't know. Maybe he'll tarry another thousand years, a million years. I don't know. But I just have a feeling that we're very close. So don't hang on to your money. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. And Sunday morning when you give, the Sunday that you give, I want everybody to stand. Hopefully you've purposed in your heart what you're going to give. But stand, I want you to stand as a body, united, and then I want you to reach in to the pocket of the person in front of you. And just give like you've always wanted to give. (laughs) Is there somebody here this morning that has never obeyed the gospel? Is there somebody sitting out here that God has been tugging on you? He's been saying, he's been saying, come, follow me. And you've just kind of been saying, not yet, not yet, Lord, not yet. Today, today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Lay down everything and get up and follow him. Maybe somebody needs to be baptized into Christ today. What a beautiful way to end our service by someone giving their heart, their life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're carrying a burden this morning. Maybe there's somebody here that the weight is just so heavy. 
There's no need to carry it by yourself. There's brothers and sisters here who would love to lighten your load by taking that to the throne of God in prayer. If there's some way we can help you this morning, let it be known while we stand, while we sing.